Our scripture is from John 15, 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Sarah Claire. Hey, everyone. My name is Keith Case. Good to see you all here tonight. Um, I'm a pastor here at the church. And uh, as Sarah Claire just read, our text for tonight is from the Gospel of John. And we're in a year-long series called Embody. And tonight uh, we're talking about greater love. Like how do we embody the greatest love um, that John is going to talk about? Um, this, the Gospel of John, uh, I kind of laid out some things last week about it. And Drew did it uh, even tonight a little bit in the confession. But in the Gospel of John... Uh, John keeps presenting this question, or people keep asking this question, which is, who is Jesus? Like, who is this guy? And throughout uh, the scriptures, one of the things that kind of comes into focus is the relationship between God, between Jesus and God, or between Jesus and his Father. And, And the religious people keep saying, well, if he's from the Father then he will do what the Father has commanded him to do. He will follow the law. Uh, He will follow the law of of Moses. And so there's this idea that if Jesus is really close to the Father, or if the Son is really close to the Father, he will keep the commands of the Father. So we have this familial question out here, and this familial language. And, And I will say right here at the front, that the family is to be an institution of closeness. That the family is to be an institution of closeness. And as we said last week in the sermon, or I said last week, that learning to live close, that that is discipleship. When we, when we just travel back just a few verses before this and Jesus calls himself the vine and says we are the branches and to remain in him and to remain close, remain connected, that, that living and learning to live in closeness, that that is discipleship, that that is what it means to follow Jesus and living in closeness is the glory of God. Now essential to how we do that, what is a foundational tool for how we do that, how do we learn to live in closeness as a family, is this thing called love. This thing called love. And tonight, as we are celebrating uh, women, uh, as they have 
led us in closeness. Maybe, in fact, you have never been as close to anyone uh, as you were to your mother, that you spent nine months inside of her, her caring for you, nurturing you, leading us in this idea of closeness and this experience of closeness. They have led us in bringing new creation into this world and the risk of that. And I know that that Mother's Day is always one of these mixed days where for some of us, uh, maybe we've lost a mother. Uh, Maybe we've lost a grandmother. Uh, Maybe we've lost a child. Uh, Maybe our mother wasn't there for us the way that we really had hoped our mother would be. And so it becomes this mixed bag. And yet at the same time, maybe some of us have seen incredible mothers. And we ourselves may be incredible mothers. Um, But I want to say that the the journey, uh, I've learned so much from so many women in this space. And I am grateful for it. And for that, I say, happy Mother's Day. Uh, One of the debates that we see as people are asking this question, as they're trying to figure out how close uh, Jesus is to the Father, is this relationship between the law and love. Between the law and love. And Jesus will heal somebody. He will will do this miraculous act and heal somebody and love someone in this really powerful way. And then he'll be questioned by the religious authorities. Did he do what was lawful? But Jesus is going to make a point here in this text that we as a people need to learn and need to know, need to experience if we are going to learn to live in closeness. And and tonight the first or the, the three points are abide in love, the greatest love and the leveling of love. Now, when I was. Um. Sick with COVID, I, I said uh, last week that I got into a lot of documentaries. I ended up watching a documentary on Audrey Hepburn. I had no idea how much uh, she actually got involved with UNICEF and Africa and, and trying to feed uh, children around the world. Uh, but that led me into watching uh, a movie that I had never seen before. It should have come with a warning label. Uh, just If you go back and watch a movie made in the 50s or 60s, you're probably going to be offended. Uh, but Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, I watched the classic. I'd seen clips here and there, but... The closing scene, right? The closing scene and the build-up to it is, uh, you know, Audrey plays this woman who's, whose name, she has kind of has two names because she's a drifter in a way. She's, she's not really uh, secure in who she is, who her identity is. In, in many ways, she's kind of hiding. And then there's this guy who comes into her life, and he's kind of a drifter too, that really handsome guy. And, and, and they live in the same apartment building. And in fact, the first day that, they, that he comes in, uh, she ends up climbing through his window that night and hanging out with him uh, in the bedroom. And they kind of have this moment. And you're like, how could these people go from like total strangers to like intimacy in minutes? And then the movie kind of progresses and it's this relationship between uh, her getting paid to be in relationship with a man who's in prison and, her, and him getting paid to be in a relationship uh, with a woman who's married and and they're in these relationships, and, and then they're also kind of developing this friendship. And something happens through the film, and that is that this man falls in love with her. And you could say that, that, that she falls in love with the man, and, uh, but she, she can't stand it. She can't 
take the risk. And they're in this taxi, and she's going to leave the country. She's going uh, to go to Brazil. And she's like, take me to the airport. She's been arrested. She's on, up on charges. She can't really leave the country. But she's like, take me to Brazil. And he's with her in the car. And they have the cat in the car too, her cat. But the cat has no name. The cat has no name. And he's trying to convince her of how much he loves her. And there's some offending parts in that section as well. But he's trying to convince her how much he loves her. And she tells the taxi driver to pull the car over and he stops the car and she takes her cat. She's like, you know, my cat doesn't even have a name. And she takes the cat and she puts the cat out of the car in pouring down rain in New York City and shuts the door and tells the taxi driver to keep going. So you know, like, man, this is getting bad. Like she's getting more disconnected. And he keeps pleading with her, I love you, I love you. They drive like another 100 feet, and he tells the taxi driver to pull the taxi over. And he gets out of the car, and this is the scene. He tells her, you think you're this wild woman. You think that you're free, but you're trapped in a cage. You're trapped in a cage, and you cannot love. And he slams the door. And leaves her trapped in the taxi. And he takes off down the street. Moments later, she breaks down to this reality that she has been running her whole life. Running from love. And she goes and gets out in the rain. And they have this moment in the alley. And they find the cat. And everybody's reunited and everybody seems like they are in love in New York City. It's like, this is what Breakfast and Tiffany's is all about. Um, but it was this moment where I was like, oh, yes, the cage that we live in, that we would be afraid of love, that we would be afraid of love, and Jesus again inviting us to abide in love, to abide in love. And, and, and in many ways, I'm going to uh, hopefully flush out some of the ideas about love or some of the, the realities of love tonight. But there is in this love, I want you to know, a mystery. That we believe uh, as Christians in Scripture that the world was actually created out of love, out of this mystical union between uh, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that out of that birth took place. That this world was created. And that this world will be and is being recreated out of this love. In verse 9, Jesus loves. He agapes us. That he takes pleasure in us like God the Father loves Jesus. That God the Father loves Jesus and that the way that God the Father loves Jesus, that Jesus loves us like that. With this abiding love. With this creativity of God's love. With the generosity of God's love. With the healing of God's love. 
and that he is calling people into this love. Like there is nothing greater than this love. In verse 10, he says, remain, abide in this love, bathe in it. Bathe in the pleasure of God's love for you. It's one thing for me to to kind of have this idea that God loves me. It's another thing to think that God takes pleasure or delights in me. That God actually delights in you. Does that land? Can that land for you right now? Can you just hear me say that again? That God actually delights in you. And just notice if there was anything in you, if you just receive that and you're like, yes, I believe it, praise God. Uh, but if there was anything in you that resisted it just a little bit, say, well, Keith, if you only knew this about me, something that you may not know, something that's hard for me personally to receive this, I would encourage you to explore what that is. Because Jesus wants us to abide in his delighting of us. In verse 10, if you keep my commands, and we'll get more into this in the next section, more in depth. If you keep my commands, um, love and obeying the way of Jesus are related. So he he says in, in verse 10 there, um, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in Him. So it, it feels like a qualification here. And for me, whenever I feel like God is telling me He loves me, and then there is a qualification, I go, yeah, you're just like everybody else. But the way that Jesus presents this, we have to understand what does He mean when He's telling us that we need to keep The commands, what is the point? Why is he saying this? Because loving and obeying the way of Jesus are related. They are embodied. If you love Jesus, the way in which you live your life is going to be a reflection of that, that there is a connection. You cannot separate the two. Also, what's interesting to me is that the first time you find the word command, or at least that I could find it, Um, in the book of John, before uh, this, is in John chapter 8, verse 3. This is the scene. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Here's the moment the word command is being used. It's the first time in the Gospel of John it's being used. The law is being used. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? He had had said this to them. He who is without sin cast the first stone. And slowly the crowd had dispersed. Woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? 
No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. And Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Let me put it another way. That Jesus says, go now and live a life of love. Go now and live a life of love. On one other interesting story, in John 11, uh, 35 and 36, uh, we find that Lazarus, one of his friends has died, and Jesus was close to Lazarus and his sisters. And Jesus is making his way to the house, and he sees the sisters weeping and grieving. And when he sees that, Jesus begins to weep. And, and people talk about that, that text. You know, it's the shortest text in the gospel. But the next text, the next text is the people around. The people who are there who see Jesus weeping. This is what they said. See how he loved them. See how he loved him. The essence, the foundation of the commandments, the greatest commandment. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot separate the two. You cannot uh, love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and not love your neighbor. Because if you love God, you will be so close to God that you will love like God loves. You will experience his love for you. You will experience his abiding, his delighting in you. And when you have someone delighting in you, friends, you begin to delight in others. You will begin to delight in others. Jesus is calling us into this law of love, to live in love, to live in his love for us. Verse 11, that this is what we were made for. And Jesus said that your joy will be complete if you stay in this love. And Drew just referenced it. And though, like Drew, I struggle sometimes to understand fullness and wholeness of joy, the one thing I would introduce, one concept, one idea, is that there's a tuning fork in us. And I have this tuning fork in my heart, and when I have found that I am delighted in, and when I begin to come alive, and I begin to understand that I was made as an artist, by an artist, and that I'm offering my creativity and my generosity to this world, that that tuning fork, as I begin to find that way, starts going, it starts humming, and I come alive. I come alive. That joy is full in me. You can't lose this love. You can't lose it. So abide in it. Uh, Mother Teresa, who um, I, I was kind of fascinated with her when I was actually younger, when I was in high school and read books about her. And, um, you know, she didn't become famous because she went to India 
and, and died right when she got there. She didn't just go to India and, and give her life uh, for somebody, you know, like run into a, a shootout or something and just try to, do, you know, block bullets or something. Um, Mother Teresa had her life on a trajectory that she moved to India and that she would give her life daily uh, for people. She didn't, she didn't give up her life to, to keep somebody else alive. In many ways, she gave up her life to hold the hands of people who were dying. She gave up her life to let people have dignity even in their death. And she did this day in and day out. And this is what caught the attention of the world. This is what caught the attention of India. This is why a, a country made up of, of Hindus and, and Christians and Buddhists, many faiths, would be celebrating this woman's life because of the way she loved. Because she knew something about this greatest love. This sacrificial love. This greatest love. Not in a competitive sense, but in a potency sense. In a transformative sense. In a powerful sense. That the world, as I said, would be created out of this love and is being recreated with it. Verse 12, my command, love each other as I have loved you. Again, Jesus is speaking uh, to his followers here. And one of the most recent examples of how he loved them was that he got down on his, on his hands and knees and washed their feet. And I reference this story over and over again. But listen to how John talks about it in John chapter 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. In a sense, when Jesus is feeling the most empowered, he gets up from the meal, takes off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. So Jesus goes to his knees to wash his followers' feet. And Jesus is talking to this same group who he just washed their feet. He's talking to them about the commandments and following the commandments. And Peter there, he says, Lord, I'm going to follow you to your death. I will lay down my life. He says this, John records it. I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to betray me. That's actually what you're going to do. So you take this scene of Jesus just before as he's talking about abiding in him, about being close to him. And Jesus has just gotten down and he's washed his disciples' feet. And Peter is saying, hey, I'm going to give my life for you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you're not. You're not going to lay your life for me. You're going to betray me, Peter. But I'm going to give my life for you. Verse 13, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And Jesus is saying that this is the greatest love. Someone who would lay down their life. And in many ways we know that Jesus is pointing to the cross. This is the greatest love. This is God's way. This is what we were made for. And Jesus is going to do it in this ultimate way. 
to give his life up for us. But I want you to know that I had a, a guy who was kind of a mentor to me, and he said, you know, a lot of times in Christianity, we, we kind of fantasize about this idea of laying down our life for somebody else. And pastors will tell stories of, you know, the soldier who dove on a grenade uh, in, um, in war to save his friends. Incredible stories, moving stories, obviously. He said, but you, you know, you pastors, you talk about this a lot. You talk about giving up your life, like dying for somebody else, that that is the ultimate end. And he said, but Keith, the way I understand what Jesus is telling us is that we are to live that way. That we are called to live our lives in a way that we are laying our life down day in and day out for our neighbor, for others. That it is a trajectory, like Mother Teresa's life, trajectory of living our life. And that word, to lay down our life, it truly the, the ultimate sense is just to lay ourselves at the feet of our friends, and to say, how can I serve you? Um, probably no area that you're going to be able to do that more on a percentage scale, hourly, than in work. So really important to understand how our work is so deeply connected to our faith. That if I work for 40, 60, 70 hours a week, that this is my opportunity to really serve other people as an artist, as a creative, whether that's making spreadsheets or, or uh, you know, defending someone in a courtroom, whatever it is, that that is the way in which we are called to love. And I will make one other bullet point here because it is so prevalent in the church and it is such a part of my life. But often uh, when we talk about serving in this way, it's important to, to make a bullet point about codependency. That codependency is this idea that uh, I constantly give up myself for others. The, the real issue with codependency, though, is not about serving others. The real issue for us who've suffered uh, from codependency, myself, is that my core, at my core, I wasn't connected to myself. That somebody else in my life as a kid growing up was at my center and so I learned to always be aware of other people's needs to the point that I neglected my own. That is not what Jesus is inviting us into here. Jesus is inviting us into deep connection with him, into deep connection with ourselves, and out of understanding our core identity and our needs with God, with Jesus, with community, that as empowered people, we then go out and serve. Remember, that's how Jesus did it. Jesus was empowered when he knew that he was empowered by God. When he had power, he went to his knees to serve. Now, how do we raise people up in this love? How do we disciple people in this love? How do we teach it? How do we live it? How do we pass along the tools? And it was already referenced tonight, but a story group is kind of our baseline for how we are raising up leaders. And this year, I believe, Sarah Claire, we had the most leaders we've ever had. 
in training. Uh, I think it was like 20 or something, right? Or 15, I don't know. I'm like, it was probably like five people and I'm like, church planners, we really overestimate numbers. But, um, but there was a lot of people. It was super exciting. And as I looked around the room in the training, I was like, these people can all lead story groups. This is amazing. And the baseline of story group is just learning to listen to people and their stories in a way in which they know they're loved, that they can be fully known and fully loved um, by a community, by the body of Christ, if you will, that it leads to this transformative potency. It has this power to it that when we are known, we come alive. When we are known, we come alive. When we are known and loved. And one of the, uh, the groups that I got to be in this week, and I asked her permission to share a little bit about this, is the Artist Way. And it was amazing, man. If, I, I promise you, I think in the fall, it's like we're going to just invite all, everybody to do the Artist Way. I'm, I'm um, <clears throat> reading it again this summer. I'm reading some of it for the first time. Um, but I was in this group with the Artist Way, and one of my friends was in there with us. And uh, her name is uh, Mary Glazier. I call her Mary Donut. Uh, but Mary was in there, and, and Mary was, like, working this job. And she was doing great, you know, in that job. But, but Mary in this group came alive. Some baseline needs started hitting for her. And, and she got this idea, hey, I love surfing. I love surfing. And a couple of us in the group, we were like, Mary, not only do we know you love it, but you're really good at it. And Mary took just this little bit of affirmation, put it in the fire, and launched this business called Gerfer Lady. I was hoping to wear a shirt today to represent uh, my T-shirt, but I couldn't get it in time. Um, she launched this business. And now Mary went from thinking that she could maybe do this as a side thing to now she is teaching surfing lessons full time. I think she launched this business like a month ago or something like that. Maybe it's two months ago. But she's doing it full time. And I know some of you have been able uh, to take lessons from her. And if you haven't, you can go on her website and sign up. And there's a little tagline on her website that says something like, uh, if you're the only bikini in the water, in the lineup, sorry, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be there. Right? Get that tattooed on my, my arm right here. Uh, if you're the only bikini in the lineup, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be here. So what Mary is doing, actually, her passion is she wants to train women. She wants to empower women to surf. So that there's more women out in the lineup. And, and so here's the beautiful thing. Mary, in a story group, small group, Mary starts feeling delighted in. She starts feeling loved. She starts letting herself abide in that. She starts letting herself experience that, feel that. She launches a business. Now, is she making money? Yes. But what is the vision? What is the dream? The vision and the dream is actually for a movement of women to raise up, to be empowered in our city, to be delighted in in such a way that they know they belong out in the waves just as much as the men do. Now, that's amazing to me. That's beautiful. That's an experience. That's embodied. When I think about my daughters, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, especially Maddie. She, my daughter Maddie like loves surfing. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Now <clears throat> she can be empowered in that space. She can be loved in that space. And that's the last point, you guys, is that this love, this greatest love that Jesus has, that Jesus brings into the world, is a leveling love. And what I mean is it's going to level the world. In some ways, when they talk about the kingdom of God coming, they talk about the valleys being raised up and the mountains being made low, and that the world is going to be leveled in a way. That this love that Jesus brings into the world has a leveling power that it destroys hierarchy. And, and that's the idea going back to story group is as we train leaders, we're just trying to give this away as fast but also as responsibly as we can so that more people can experience it. Not so that we can have power over the city, so that we can serve the city, so that we can love the city, so that we can show the city, the people in our city, that there is a God who delights in them. Delights in them enough that he wants to take the time, that he sent this people, he's created this community that wants to take the time to sit with them and listen to their story and love them in their story. That we believe that actually will transform our city. That it has that kind of potency. And that that is the greatest command. And that what Jesus leaves these followers with, followers that are going to abandon him, followers that are going to betray him, he says, love. That's the command. And they're going to leave him. Peter, especially being one of them. But as we journey with Peter later into the gospel, chapter 21, I don't know if we're going to hit that, Drew. Do we get there? Chapter 21? We don't get there. But Peter, uh, after betraying Jesus, Jesus finds him and his followers and he makes them breakfast on the beach. And he invites Peter, after making him breakfast, back into this way of love. It's something, you guys, this is the point, it's something, this leveling of love, that's not a one-time deal. It's a thing that we learn in community. It's a thing that you have to stick around in the community. If you've been away, we want you to come back, be in the presence with each other. Something we learn as we journey together about this greatest love. Let us pray.